So it is a rainy, soggy Sabbath day yet again today, but better weather is forecast for the week ahead that will dry out all of this moisture. When I was growing up, I heard the story of uh, a man who lived in a nearby town not too far away who set out to do what many of us do on a Sunday afternoon after it rains. He mowed his lawn, right? Probably can't do that this afternoon, but he did thinking nothing of it. Subsequently, that same week, he received a letter from the town council advising him that such work was not permitted on Sunday because Sunday was the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was a day of rest. True story. I don't know whatever happened as an outcome to that situation, but uh, it did, in fact, happen. Can we imagine something like that happening today where we live? Maybe not here, but some of you may remember what are called the blue laws growing up, that nothing was open, everything was restricted. Well, if anything, I think we have moved in the opposite direction. Sunday is now just another day to get everything done that you couldn't get done earlier in the week. Our children's sports practices and games are on Sunday, not just Sunday afternoon, but Sunday mornings as well. Sunday is the busiest day of the week for grocery shopping. Sunday is many things, but I'm not sure it's really a day of rest anymore. And yet, and yet in our hyper-busy, overscheduled lives, this may be exactly what we need the most, even if we ourselves do not recognize it. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus teaches about the Sabbath, liberating it from the confining restrictions that had been placed upon it, teaching that Sabbath was made for people, not the other way around, and that Jesus himself, he is Lord of the Sabbath. And that becomes the theme for preaching this day under the theme Sabbath. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. Sabbath. The word comes from the Old Testament, the Hebrew language Shabbat, and it literally means to rest. But long before God ever gave the covenant to his people at Mount Sinai, a reiteration of which we hear in that Old Testament reading from Deuteronomy today, the concept of Sabbath is found already in the opening verses and chapters of Scripture. I'm talking Genesis chapters 1 and 2, where we read, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he'd done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from his work that he had done in creation. Sabbath. The seventh day was the original day of rest, and as we are told, it didn't originate with us. 
but it originated from God himself. It is still observed as that seventh day of rest by our Jewish friends from sundown on Friday evening to sundown on Saturday evening. It's the first Christians who were themselves Jewish who began to observe not just the Sabbath on the seventh day, but gathering for worship on the first day of the week in remembrance and in honor and thanksgiving of Jesus' resurrection on the first day of the week at early dawn when the women went to the tomb. And so the Christian concept of Sabbath was gradually transferred from Saturday, seventh day, to Sunday, first day. The gospel lesson for today from Mark chapter 2, it's set in the context of rising controversy between Jesus and the religious leaders of his day. As Jesus confronts this rigid, unyielding stubbornness on the part of the people and the religious leaders for whom the light and love of God was not able to penetrate. There's five controversies in Mark chapters 2 and 3, the first of which Jesus heals a paralytic man. And we might think, what's the problem? Isn't that a good thing? Jesus brings wholeness, renewed life and health to somebody who was sick and diseased. But you see, Jesus heals not just his body, but his soul as well. Jesus pronounces forgiveness for his sins. The response, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Controversy number two. Jesus called Levi, or Matthew, to come and follow him and be his disciple. Matthew did. He left his tax collector booth behind, and Jesus ended up going to a dinner party hosted by tax collectors and sinners. The response, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners, the outsiders? Controversy number three, Jesus' disciples don't fast like John the Baptist's disciples do. What's up with that? Jesus' response is that people don't need to fast when the bridegroom is present. Jesus himself is that bridegroom. And the good news of the kingdom of God Jesus brings is new wine, fresh wine, that must be placed into new wineskins, not old ones. The gospel for today, that's the fourth controversy. On a Sabbath day, Jesus teaches, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Fifth and final controversy is Jesus' healing of a man with a withered hand. Again, we might question, what is the big deal? Jesus is blessing this man with healing. What's the problem? It happened on a Sabbath. And this was the tipping point then that would lead to Jesus' death upon the cross. The Pharisees went out, immediately held counsel with the Herodians against Jesus how to destroy him. 
and that would end up with Jesus suffering and death upon the cross. You see, Jesus was shattering long-held traditions and customs about the Sabbath. Not only was it the Ten Commandments, but all of the rules and regulations, the fences that had been erected around those Ten Commandments, what a person could do, what a person could not do on the Sabbath. Even something as innocuous as walking through a field of ripe grain on the Sabbath day, running your fingers through the heads of grain, some are plucked off and you rub them together in your hands and you hull them and pop the ripened heads of grain into your mouth. But that could be construed as work because technically you're harvesting grain. We might think, is this splitting hairs? Or is this upholding time-honored tradition? Hmm. At the heart of it all is what Jesus says at the close of the gospel lesson. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath is about freedom. Freedom, as that Old Testament lesson for today reminds us. God said to his people, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. The Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Slaves do not get a day off. There is no Sabbath day of rest if you are a slave. So now, what will we do with this gift of Sabbath freedom? Will we spend it running around, running ourselves ragged, cramming as much things, as many activities as we can into the Sabbath, and then wonder why we are exhausted on Monday morning when the whole cycle starts all over again. Paul writes in the epistle lesson for today, we have this treasure in jars of clay. He's talking about people. The, the gift of God, the grace of God in Jesus Christ is in these jars of clay. And clay is fragile. It can crack. It can break. And so can we if we keep going and going and going and do not stop to be replenished and renewed. Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath, calls us to use this wondrous gift of freedom in ways that will honor the Lord God and bless our lives and the lives of people around us. So what does this look like? How do we do this? Well, our electronic devices today enable us to be on 24-7, right? So perhaps, just perhaps, Sabbath rest might involve unplugging from those 
electronic devices so that we may be more present to the ones we love who are next to us, as well as being more present for God. It might be getting out into creation, looking at the beauty of what the Lord has made. Well, maybe not today, as it's so wet out there. But that is refreshing to the spirit to be out in the beauty of what the Lord God has made. Might be rearranging our time, our, our schedule for the week, in order to have Sunday truly as a Sabbath day of rest. I didn't say any of this is going to be easy, but in our hurry up and go world, maybe it's needed. One person's rest might be another person's work. For example, if we spend much of our week in front of a computer screen, then Sabbath rest might be physical exercise to rejuvenate and revive the body. We got all kinds of rec centers around the county, don't we? Yeah. The closest one over here, Lee District Rec Center. Rec is short for recreation. But actually, that word is recreation. That is to be created anew, to be created again. And that is what Sabbath is affording us, the weekly opportunity to be recreated anew as God's beloved sons and daughters. For many, Sabbath, Sunday, is a day to sleep in, a day to enjoy that leisurely cup of coffee, go out for brunch. Nothing wrong with those things. I enjoy them as much as the next person. But you are in the decided minority of our country, where whether we are in an urban setting or a suburban setting or a rural setting, not more than about 20% of the population is ever in worship on any given Sunday. But you are. You are here. And so this is the challenge before us in the culture we live in to reclaim Sunday as a day of rest and worship. For the child of God, it's both and, not either or. Luther writes in his explanation of the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, that we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Luther rightly focuses on the gathering of God's people around word and sacrament for preaching and teaching on the word of God. But interestingly enough, Luther doesn't mention anything about Sabbath rest. And maybe that's because it was just assumed, but maybe it's because Luther felt the primary need was not physical rest as much as it was spiritual rest. Taking to heart Jesus' invitation, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. I think we all come to worship today and probably every Sunday with cares and worries and concerns and the burdens of this life. Jesus' invitation is to each and every one of us bearing up under those cares and worries and burdens. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Our rest comes from knowing that Jesus has done all things well, that he has lived that life of perfect obedience, fulfilling all of God's commandments and his laws in our behalf. And more than this, Jesus has laid down his life on the tree of the cross, shedding his blood as payment for your sin and for mine, doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. So when Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. It was and is forever finished. All the work of our salvation has been accomplished by Jesus. There's nothing you or I can add to that in any way, shape, or form. The only thing we can do is offer heartfelt thanks and praise for that gift of salvation. This is where we can rest securely and know that peace which passes all understanding. In closing, I have uh, two books I want to recommend to you. I'll put them out in the credenza in the narthex about this subject. The first of which is called Keeping the Sabbath Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Ceasing, resting, embracing, feasting by Marva Dawn. The second book, Sabbath, Finding Rest, Renewal, and Delight in Our Busy Lives by Wayne Muller. These are resources for us to claim anew God's twin gifts of rest and worship, week in, week out. And when at last we ourselves are laid to rest, we will enter into that eternal Sabbath, which the Lord has prepared for us, for all who love him, May you and I, we together, find blessing and peace through rest and worship for our journey of faith. May God make it so for Jesus' sake. Amen. And the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. Your spirit, your soul, and your body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Amen.